My name is Scott Chaloner and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. We record this programme on a crisp autumn day here in the capital and I am delighted to say that joining me on today's show is Michaela Weaver, the critically acclaimed executive woman's alcohol coach, best-selling author, TED speaker and master coach. Uh, Michaela, thank you for joining us and it's a real pleasure having you. Thank you, Scott. It's lovely to be here. Likewise, Michaela. And um, your specialist area, of course, is the sort of growing issue of business executives falling into the alcohol trap due to sort of overwork and stress, isn't it? And there's a huge link between the two things. And um, it's estimated at the moment that as many as 10 to 20 percent of all business executives have actually developed an alcohol problem because of stress. And I think it is fair to say that the events of the last two years has really exacerbated that issue. So the awareness of addiction and how to move away from it, I think it's fair to say that it's now more important than ever before, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's a combination of working from home, which has changed people's routines, um, overwhelm, uncertainty, the additional stress that goes hand in hand with that. And, the fact that you know, high-achieving people are falling into this trap because of those reasons, and also just because they are high-achieving, there is a link between the driven nature of the people and falling into the alcohol trap that, that is often misunderstood. And so, yes, right now, alcohol sales went through the roof um, during lockdown, and as we're coming out of that, many people are left with those latent problems and the result of that got absolutely mm. and what is it that sort of makes alcohol such sort of a powerful pull for people who are suffering from stress do you think yeah so, so the first thing I, I want to say is that for anybody who's in this situation um where there are feelings of shame and guilt that it's really important to understand that it's not your fault people get addicted to addictive substances and alcohol is the second most addictive drug on the planet. And there's very little awareness of that, second only to heroin. And so people fall into into that trap. Um, People are dealing with a lot of stress. And what, again, people often don't understand is that alcohol actually causes stress. It causes those feelings of stress and anxiety, those very feelings that we're actually working to try and alleviate um and so so the awareness out there is is really poor which is why why we're having this interview um i'm sorry did i answer your question scott or have i sort of gone off, gone off sideways a little bit there no, I think you have addressed it. I think um, you've mentioned there that it is the second most addictive drug on the uh, the planet. It is an addictive substance. And I think given how sort of it makes people initially feel relaxed, I suppose that's where the pull comes from. But you are right. It does actually increase stress, doesn't it? And it does essentially exacerbate the issues that we face rather than making them go away as people might think it does and um i think what yeah. we should also share with the listeners as well if you don't mind my saying uh, michaela is that we talk about business executives that fall into that trap this is something that stems from personal experience with you isn't it you've been in that situation been working for like the cabinet office local governments and you've 
essentially had to sort of hide your own addiction many years ago haven't you and you've been on a a real journey of growing out of that and it's sort of the social secret that you discovered on that sort of journey of self-discovery that's sort of got you to where you are today isn't it if you could tell us a bit more about that yes absolutely so I was an executive coach for many many years management consultant working um cabinet office, working in top um, industry, working globally. I was the executive in the boardroom, nursing a very strong cup of coffee, a monster hangover, um, a guilty secret and full of shame. And that went on for a long time because I thought there was something wrong with me. I was looking out at the world thinking that, well, alcohol is what everybody does. Why can't I do it right? Why can't I cut down when I say I'm going to? Um, And so I lived with that for a long time before I worked my way through it and realized that alcohol actually was one big, massive con that has been sold to to us all. And the reason for that, Scott, is because it's expected in society for us to consume alcohol. Mm. We see it in the media. We see it advertised. And um, just like many, many years ago, and it's a really helpful analogy, back in the 1950s, it was exactly the same for cigarettes and nicotine. And back then, physicians were actually advertising cigarettes. Um, And and it's common knowledge. If you Google it, you you can see it. And, And so that's where we were with that. And we were encouraged to smoke and all of those sorts of things. And now we know that's horrific and we're really clear on where it is. And alcohol is behind. And so people fall into the trap because it's expected of them. They think it's okay. We talk about it being addictive, but we don't really understand what that looks like and what that is like. And so there's a huge, huge amount of confusion around it. And there's a big sort of drinking culture in the UK, I think it's fair to say, isn't it? I think you're absolutely right. And I think that almost does pressure youngsters, especially who are growing into drinking age and sometimes even younger as well, to actually engage in sort of drinking activities. And this is something which isn't helping the situation because we're becoming of age, we're becoming adults, and it's almost as if like drinking alcohol, that's something that's almost been ingrained in us from a lot earlier on. Yes, absolutely. And then there's all the um, who can handle their drink and, and all of that kind mm. of thing. It is the only it is the only drug that you have to actually excuse yourself for not taking. It's incredible, and isn't it? It causes problems. It causes problems for millions. And I know there will be people listening to this, and I hope it gives them some window to explore through that you don't have to put up with it. And so. What happens is, as you say, for a, for a young drinker, if you imagine them coming into a society and growing up where all around them, A, it's normal to drink alcohol, B, it's expected, and C, they're looking around and up at role models, their family members, the friends of family members who they admire, and you know, we grow up expected to follow what, what, what they tell us to do and the way they live their lives, that's how parenting generally works. And we see that connection or we start believing there is a connection between being an adult, consuming this stuff, 
and we see people smiling and we see all that thing. And so we, we, we want that, you know, something that we, we see that we aspire to have because it looks good. Um, we believe it. And, um, you know, therefore that is the beginning of the trap. Nobody, and I mean, nobody sets out at the age of 15, experimenting, 18, legal, having those first drinks, expecting 20 years later to be caught in a trap where literally every emotion is linked to alcohol. I got a friend, um, and this was a couple of years ago, but I remember the conversation so clearly, chief executive, very um, um, high achieving woman. And she was just saying, this is incredible. This, this stuff, wine. She said, I drink when I'm happy. I drink when I'm sad. I drink when I'm angry, frustrated, bored, lonely. It's brilliant. It kind of touches on all the emotions for me. Mm. And that's what happens. There's an emotional connection built with alcohol, which is why when I surveyed 15,000 women, um, as they joined my um, email list, professional women, every single one, well, actually 97% said, I drink to relieve stress, which is an emotional mm. kind of response to things are all building up in my life and I don't quite know how to handle it right now. It is, isn't it? it? There is a huge emotional connection between people who are addicted to alcohol and whatever it is that they are drinking. I think that's absolutely right. And I think that is a huge part of the trap. And when it came to sort of yourself sort of changing the way that you sort of thought and felt about alcohol, um, the science of transformational freedom is sort of the big thing that you uh, turn to to sort of push your message out there. Um, how does that science essentially sort of break that link between alcohol and our emotions without sort of giving too much away? Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's, there's a whole load of stuff um, involved in, in, in it. Um, essentially, here's the thing, right? We make the decision to not drink. Mm -hmm. So it's causing a problem in, in our lives. And this, this, this is me. This is, this is, this is everybody I, I, I speak to. So we make the decision not to do it. In the morning, feeling awful, did it the night before again, really wish I hadn't, wake up, right, today's the day. I'm going to either stop, cut down, not do it on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm going to stop at half a bottle of wine, one GMT, whatever it might be. So we make that decision start in our conscious mind, where we make all the decisions in our life, the ones that enabled us to go for the job and get the job, um, you know, the promotion, complete the project on time, all of that stuff. The problem is, that alcohol is an unconscious and subconscious problem. And the unconscious subconscious mind is 95% of the power of our mind. And so what we've got is a 5% little conscious element of our mind saying, I'm not going to do this anymore with absolute resolve and will and 95% powerhouse of conditioning, belief structure, memories over a lifetime of that linkage between alcohol and emotion and all of those other things, fighting against it. We set up this massive conflict in our minds which causes us anguish, inner criticism, self-loathing, and then we've got the 95% unconscious battling the 5%. It can't win. Maybe it'll hold the tide back, literally, the tide's coming in, we're holding it back for a while, 
but obviously nature does what nature does. And so it is an unconscious thing. And so that's where the solution has to lie. And that's where the science of transformational freedom operates. And so the unconscious mind is a powerhouse. And as I say to people, just to demonstrate this, so the big things in life, the big things, when you went to university, when you got married, when you had your first child, when you got that first major job, when was that? When did that happen in your life? By and large, people will be able to, to remember, well, it was about that year and it was then. And I remember that it was a conscious decision I made to do that. Mm. If I say to somebody, surely something as significant as the implications of being caught in the alcohol trap, waking up with all these things, if that was something that you wanted to do consciously, you'd know when that happened. When did that happen? That moment when you went from it being okay to it not being okay. And nobody has an answer because it wasn't conscious. It's an unconscious conditioning of a human biological being consuming a highly addictive drug often enough over long enough. And so therefore, if it wasn't a conscious decision, it can't be somebody's fault. And so that issue of it not being somebody's fault, I know I've mentioned that a few times, it's mm. so important because what what listeners will feel if this is them is an enormous amount of relief. And, and that's absolutely critical. So the science is, first of all, understanding the biological human being and that we're animals and what does this stuff actually do to mm. the animal. Um, and it's also about unconscious work working in in that that level to bubble up all the beliefs like a like the bubbles in a lemonade bottle we bubble them up to the surface and then the conscious logical mind can look at it in a different way and start challenging you know those things that we believed forever about it because we were brought up thinking that oh drinking alcohol is you know if we're stressed have a drink um, we even, you know, people find themselves saying that to a friend, you know, this, a major, major disaster happens in somebody's life. And the first thing they do is offer them a drink because they think it's going to help. Mm. That is an incredibly yeah. important point. So it's an incredibly important point. It is something that's so natural that we just almost unconsciously do without thinking about it, isn't it? And we talked a lot there about how the science of transformational freedom can help the self to sort of, we, it helps us connect with our true and authentic selves. It sort of shifts that power away from alcohol and sort of helps us focus on other things and unlock our potential. But it also brings an immense amount of benefit for our relationships with others, doesn't it? When we're in that sort of much more elevated state of mind. Um, we are, of course, recording this podcast on the 11th of November, 2021. And so Alcohol Awareness Week is upon us very soon. It runs from the 15th to the 21st of this month. And the focus of this year's Alcohol Awareness Week is not just to get thinking about drinking, but also it's about alcohol and relationships. And alcohol, it doesn't just affect us, it affects our relationships with others, doesn't it? And that's something that's very important to remember, the negative impact yes. that our addiction could have on other people. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so a study in The Lancet several years ago now conducted by Professor Nutt um, from Imperial College London mm. said that alcohol is the most damaging drug on the planet. 
for the very reason that it not only does it damage the user, and I use that word, which is probably quite scary for some people, am I a user of a drug? Yes. Um, but it also has an incredibly damaging effect on relationships. So that will be husbands, wives, partners, an enormous damage on children um, and grown-up children. Many of my clients come to me because they're really concerned about their relationships with their children. They're grown-up children who have distanced themselves from them. Um, and it just causes so much mistrust. How can you trust what somebody's saying when they're drinking every night? And after a couple of glasses of, of I say wine, but after a couple of glasses of wine, you can draw that into you know, a pint and a half of beer or, or a couple of whiskey, whatever that is. That person isn't, isn't themselves. They're not talking authentically. Mm. And so it just damages every aspect of relationships. And, it, and it's very, very insipid. So it is the most dangerous drug on the planet for those reasons. Um, raising awareness, alcohol awareness week, it, it, it's fantastic. Um, it's bringing you know, us together, Scott, so we, we're talking about these things and, and putting it probably in a very different way because it's not about just cutting down. For people who are caught in the trap, they would have already tried that. You know, that that's a, that's a, just a, a, a foregone conclusion that they would have done. Mm. They would have tried the dry Januaries and the challenges and all of that. All of those things are in the conscious willpower part of the mind. Um, and so that's not where the solution lies. It's in working with the unconscious to, to change mindset around it. And, and part of that, we're already doing having this conversation. Um, we talked briefly about my own journey, and, and in that, just so that to give you um, a sort of perspective, I went to my GP. I actually have GPs who work with me who went to their GPs, and they felt that the support wasn't quite what they needed. Mm. Um, so much along the lines of just try to cut down, which is it, it's very very difficult. And so I also tried that and I tried willpower and all of those things which we're encouraged to do. And so when friends and family, back to relationships, say, well, cut down, that person's tried already. And cutting down is a conscious thing, whereas it's they're overridden because the tide I was talking about, the tide's coming in. It can't just be stopped by somebody putting their hands out saying, right, I want the tide to stop. It can't. It's an unconscious human conditioning. The fabulous and fantastic news is that when the unconscious is unraveled, when the whole of the alcohol con is understood, when it's all the conundrum is exposed, it is very easy to break out of it. But it requires the right method. And that is a science-based method and one that empowers people. I mean, there are organizations out there, global, enormous organizations that actually preach disempowerment, handing your power over to some higher power. Not everybody feels comfortable doing that, hmm. sitting around in meetings and lifelong recovery. Not everybody wants to do that. They want to go in, solve the problem, get out of the trap and just start living their lives, improving relationships improving their performance at work, improving their health, their immunity, their self-esteem. Once the plug is pulled on this stuff, 
the ripples in people's lives are just incredibly far-reaching. And every single aspect of life is improved because the the alcohol trap is, and the, and the stress for alcohol conundrum, where we drink for stress, it's very, very subtle how slowly it just takes its hold. Mm. And we don't realize it's happening until one day we wake up and we try to get out and we realize that we're actually a bit stuck. Mm. And so the, the, the really good news is it's not difficult. It can be easy. It can be enjoyable to get out of the trap with the right knowledge and the right process. Certainly so. And it's very important that, of course, we talk about this in the context of the here and now, as we've touched on already, because alcohol sort of intake has increased dramatically during the uh, the effects of COVID. And we've seen the impact of that as we've come out of restrictions and the lockdown. Um, and as we start to sort of get to grips with this and you, of course, look to help more and more people break away from their addictions, uh, Michaela. Um, what are some of your focuses going to be over the uh, the next uh, 12 months, just before we wrap things up? So the next 12 months for me? Yes. Yeah. So thank you. Um, really, for me, about getting the message out to the executives and C-suite audience. And so what I'm doing right now, I've got joint ventures with um, top flight organizations, top flight people. I'm talking like this. Um, I'm talking in in the States um, and Australia and globally about this issue. As that person who was that executive themselves, I get it. I know what it feels like to be feeling that inauthentic. And so... That's what my, the next 12 months for me is being able to offer, um, you know, those one-on-one services for people who want it. If they just want to listen to podcasts like this and for it to open their eyes and give them some relief and some hope and some support that, do you know what, I can get out of this. There's nothing wrong with me. That's empowering. And so I really am getting the message out, blowing the lid on some of this. Let's talk about it. Because as you say, there are more and more people working from home. I have a, um, a partner in Australia. A lot of her clients are, she has diplomats, celebrities, C-suite executives. And because they're drinking from home, sorry, they're working from home. That was a slip of the tongue there. They're working from home. They're now drinking from home. Mm. And she says, I know that in the afternoon they're working. I know they've got a drink next to them when I'm on camera. And so what I'm wanting to do is to help to break some of this down for people and build the people up. Mm. Um, And so just briefly around the COVID issue, because people have been able and are continuing to work from home, when people were going out to work, there was an automatic kind of subconscious or unconscious boundary in people's minds. So when they were drinking prior to COVID, it was, I'm not having a drink till I get home from work. It was just kind of a boundary that just wasn't argued with. You know, we get back from work. The first thing we might do when we get in is, before we've even taken our coat off, is go and have a drink. I used to do that. I used to stand on the counter with a glass of wine, and I didn't even take my coat off. Then when I'd done that, take my coat off, cook some food, or whatever it was I was doing. But that boundary removed, 
what's to stop thinking, well, it's four o'clock, I'll just have a drink. It's three o'clock. Those boundaries were incredibly important for restricting Mm. alcohol consumption. It's why I find a lot of people who retire, all of a sudden, they're drinking more earlier and it gets earlier and earlier and earlier. And so that all exacerbates the post-COVID world that we now find ourselves in. And so by working with people, by getting the message out, by connecting with people, we can start to solve and also, again, I'm using the analogy, but to stem the tide of this developing even further. Mm. With people just being aware of what I'm saying about those boundaries that were there in the working day have gone if you're working from home. That alone may be enough for people to think, wow, I need to do something about this. And that's the first step is just to recognize I need to do something. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I don't know how to do it. Just like if I wanted to build a house, I wouldn't know how to do that. I'm going to reach out and find somebody who can help me navigate it in the most efficient, effective, and empowering way. So that's Mm. me for the next 12 months, Scott. You're going to be seeing me out and about and around um, a lot in in the leadership realm and um, happy to do more to help to to break some of this down for people. Absolutely right. And if you are a regular listener who may be affected by some of the issues that we have discussed today and you are worried about your own or someone else's drinking and you're interested in, of course, what Michaela might be able to uh, to do for you, um, I think it's the alcoholcoach.com, isn't it, that's your website, uh, Michaela? Is that right? Absolutely, that's right. So you can go in there. I have a free masterclass um, that, that's running that people can, can dive into for a bit more information. Um, I do specialize in working with executive women. Mm. I do offer one on, one-on-one for men as well. The masterclass, however, is available for everybody, and it will just add a little bit more than, than we've heard today. And there's also um, opportunities within that to get in touch directly, mm. to watch some videos on, on YouTube, and also if, if uh, uh, listeners are interested, to um, get a copy of my book as well. The links are all on thealcoholcoach.com. Fantastic. Uh, there is also a national alcohol helpline as well that can be contacted on 0300-123-110. That's open from weekdays 9am to 8pm and weekends from 11am to 4pm and that can be contacted in complete confidence. Um, Michaela, thank you so, so much for your time joining us on the programme today because it's such an important issue this and it has been exacerbated by the COVID situation. Um, we'll certainly be keeping tabs on uh, what you're up to over the next 12 months and getting your message out there. And I think as we start to get more of an idea as to just what the effects of increased alcohol intake during the lockdown have been over the year the next year or so i'd actually relish the opportunity to welcome you back onto the program with us and just sort of review where we are and how things may be coming along absolutely i'd be delighted to and thank you very much for having me on the show it was a pleasure welcoming critically acclaimed alcohol coach michaela weaver onto today's program and i do hope that all of you tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview We'll be back next time with a whole new story from a whole new business leader of their journey, successes and innovations. And until that next time, everybody do take care and goodbye.